What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of the Blue In Green Podcast. My name's Imran, thank you very much for your time and your company. Uh, today is certainly an episode you won't want to miss, we're incredibly proud to have secured time with the incredible singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, uh, Miss Julia Beale. Uh, she's been on, I'll be in complete honesty, she's been on my list of someone to, to have featured in, on these podcasts for such a long time and um, kind of pinch myself that this actually happened. Um, so it was just an absolute pleasure. We had a great conversation. I'm really proud of it. I hope very much that she is uh, as well. And I really hope you guys are going to enjoy this. And I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Uh, Julia Beale, uh, celebrating the launch of her fourth solo album. Uh, it's called Black and White Volume 1. Um, her entire catalogue up to this point is, is honestly something that you, you guys will absolutely want to embrace. Uh, my introduction was through her second album, Love Letters and Other Missiles. Again, it was really cool to be able to discuss that project as well with her uh we discussed past stuff uh we discussed the new project of course we end uh her introduction to music in general so it's um it's a really great conversation uh we also had the distinct pleasure of reviewing the album for uk5.org uh as well so uh you're more than welcome to read our five star review of said project uh as well um, Blue in Green Radio Before we uh, jump into the conversation A quick reminder that Blue in Green Radio uh, Is a radio station These podcasts run in conjunction with our station You can visit us at www.blueingreenradio.com uh, We are incredibly fortunate and, uh, and lucky to be able to host shows from across the world uh, From London to Japan to uh, the States and Australia. We're so incredibly proud of our content and uh, we're absolutely sure if you check us out that you'll uh, you'll quite enjoy it too. Uh, <laughs> again, these podcasts are just a real joy to put together and to spend time primarily with uh, our Blue and Green Radio team from across the world. Uh, but again, like today, we get the absolute pleasure of hanging out with artists that we just think the absolute world of. So we're absolutely sure you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, regular listeners of these podcasts will know we play two songs. Uh, our, our guest has the uh, the uh, luxury, <laughs> for lack of a better word, to pick the closing number, but I have the uh, pleasure of picking our opening one, and I'm really happy to play this song in particular. Uh, we do discuss this song as well. Um, it's initially it's a song from her second album, Love Letters and Other Missiles. It's one of my favourite songs on that album uh, for the Black and White uh, project. This is basically Julia uh, alone with a piano, kind of uh, reimagining songs uh, from her past catalogue. Primarily, there's a couple of new tracks on on the, the playlist as well. Uh, but I was really happy that Little Girl which is my song choice, uh, appears on this version of the album as well. So I thought, what a great introduction. Uh, so I'm going to play the black and white version 
of Little Girl. Uh, I very much hope you enjoy this and will be inclined to check out uh, the project if you have yet to do so. A quick reminder if you are UK based, there is a live gig uh, 26, 26th of March at Streatham Space, uh, the Streatham Space project uh, in London. There's also a Germany gig uh, uh, announced for 24th of April in Bremen. Uh, so uh, if you are you know, anywhere likely to be around those areas, you will absolutely not want to miss um, her performances. It'll be the full band as well. It won't be the like a solo uh, performance at all. So uh, yes, absolutely do what you can to check those out. I've talked a lot. Let's jump straight in. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Miss Julia Beale.
Hi, Imran. It's Julia. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Oh, it's so great to finally get the chance to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for inviting me to to do this. This is my pleasure to chat to you about stuff. Um, That's very kind. Yeah. I mean, you're on the verge of uh, releasing said album, said black and white album. This is sort of the kind of the eve of release. Like, is yeah. this an exciting time do you still get nervous this is your fourth album fourth solo album do you is there an air of confidence about the process at this point or the reception of it do you get completely nervous are you how do you kind of feel at this point usually well well there's not really any sort of there's no usually that's the thing I mean because every album every album is a different album for a start and then every album comes out at a different moment in time and uh, into a different kind of a scene because the scene's moved on. And so everything is always different. So you always feel like a total beginner, I find. Oh, wow. <laughs> feel like, um, obviously not, not, not musically, because I do feel like I'm mm. evolving and developing, but in terms of putting the album out, you kind of always, yeah, you sort of, to a small extent building on what you've done but to a large extent like kind of just like going well how about this guys <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> so there's no confidence I guess like in terms of you know having I know you said every album's different but I guess you have to weigh fans expectations of what you've put out before in terms of what you're currently putting out and does this veer too far from from what people may sort of expect in each oh. occasion. Well, in terms of fans and stuff, well, that's a that's kind of a different scenario, really. I mean, I this album, I was fairly confident that fans wise, people would get into it because um, it shows that I've been doing over the past few years. I've kind of got into the habit of doing one or two solo songs at the piano, and uh, would mm. just generally speaking after gigs when people would be having a look at the merch table and wondering what to buy, then um, people would buy something, but they'd always kind of go, oh, have you got, like, have you got anything solo at the piano? But, you know, oh, that's like, cool. People would be asking for that. So I was partly the reason for making this album was a response to that because people have always been asking for it. And, and I, I've been, always been hesitant to do it because I didn't feel really ready to do that. I mean, doing it, live was one thing but actually committing it to recording and making a statement with it was something I hadn't really felt quite ready to do until now so um yeah so I was kind of pleased to be able to 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 do that finally it feels like a real milestone for me that's really interesting I actually would have thought you you this would have been your sort of I suppose in many ways your most comfortable surroundings in in many ways well, my development in music has kind of been a bit topsy-turvy. So uh, whereas a lot of people might start writing at the piano and then branch out to include other musicians, et cetera, et cetera, I've kind of done the opposite. I mean, I, I did, I mean, I learned piano when I was a kid, but I learned classical piano and then I stopped playing completely for a few years and then found my way back to it as a writing tool but wasn't really, you know, wasn't like for a long time uh, on stage, wasn't performing, accompanying myself. I had a whole band that was accompanying me. 
and I didn't self-accompany at all. And so the journey to actually become a self-accompanying musician on stage happened gradually as time went on in the in the live context. And then I was developing writing using the piano and, and stuff as well at the same time. And so eventually I just became really comfortable just playing the piano and just practicing my own songs at the piano. So it kind of developed slowly in reverse. Yeah, it's kind of weird that because a lot of people mm. go, oh, this is like a first album or something in that kind of way. And you could think of it that way. But I I needed to, to start with the sense of belonging with the whole band and learning from all the musicians that I was with because I'm self-taught. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of gone that way. It's just, I don't know, it's weird. It's, it's funny you should say it because that was going to be one of, something I was going to ask you about because there are so many sort of aspects, some of the strings to your bow, so to speak, from from writing, singing, uh, 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 piano, guitar, as well as all the other stuff. I mean, I was going to ask what it was your initial introduction to music, but I, it sounds like it was piano. What what, what initially it? led you to to that? Well, I was I was very lucky. I was about five, and my mum said, do you want to have piano lessons? I didn't even know what a piano was at that point. <laughs> I sort of said, mm, I don't know. And it was a clash with brownies on the same night. And my sister was doing brownies. And my mum's like, well, you know, I think you might like piano, but also there's brownies and maybe you'd like brownies. <laughs> Sarah's going to brownies. Why don't you go to brownies? And so I was like, well, okay, well, you know, as far as I remember, I, I remember thinking I probably should want to socialise. <laughs> so I probably go to brownies. <laughs> and I went to brownies for a couple of weeks and thought, this is all a bit of a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't into it at all. I mean, you know. So I left after a couple of weeks and then said, actually, maybe I'll try piano. I don't know what that is, but let's give it a whirl. And um and I didn't really like the teacher, I have to admit. I didn't really get on with the teacher, but I kind of obviously liked the sound. Um and I did really get into it. And I remember I had like I didn't have a I had a, a keyboard in my in my bedroom at that point and and I used to like when I got to about seven or something I started like messing around with with like just making up stuff I was just like wow you can make stuff up this is amazing and then um but then at some point I don't know what happened but the keyboard disappeared Uh, (laughs) and then there was a piano and obviously the piano was like in a more communal area and then I felt really shy and I couldn't make stuff up anymore so then I had oh wow I didn't carry, uh, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get into making stuff up again until I left the family home because it was just too public, and and also no one else in the family was very musical, so they didn't want to hear me trying to make stuff up anyway. They wanted to. If I was going to be heard, I had to be practicing sort of, you know, full on classical pieces that someone else had written, not sort of like the fum- the early fumblings of Julia trying to find her musical voice. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so but yeah that's so so piano was definitely the initial point of entry into the world of music though having said that and then um and then I was about sort of 10 or 11 when I started singing along to things at home and 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 people at home would go oh that was that was good and I'd kind of do impersonations of little things like little jingles and stuff and and everyone would fall, fall about laughing and but actually then I started actually going well I quite I'm quite into this actually you know not in a kind of comedic way but in an actual way 
And then again, like, you know, because Vibe at Home wasn't very musical, people were like, yeah, we don't actually want to hear you practicing. So can you, can you actually play <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> So I kind of like, everything happened quite late because I didn't, you know, because those sorts of things, I guess like if I'd have, if I'd have not had that Vibe at Home, then I might have practiced more piano and singing as a thing together at mm. that stage. But because of that, I kind of just did classical piano and then, I left home and then started to piece it all together backwards. Wow. Mm. What kind of, um, when you were trying to sort of come up with your own stuff with keyboard wise, what kind of things were influencing you or what were you trying to sort of emulate or trying to, yeah, what, what was sort seven? of proving an influence? Like when, yes. I mean, like when I was seven, God, I don't know. I was just, I was just li- li- literally, I think, excited by the harmony that I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just find notes that I thought, you know, and I'd, I was just making up textures, I think, really, because I didn't know what I was doing at all. I didn't have any understanding of harmony or, or anything. It was just literally like the excitement of creating a world, like just with this note and then that note and then yeah. doing that in that hand and that in that hand and just like, wow, you know. And I remember having this, this, this thought of like, yeah, I really want to do this, you know. So, um so yeah I'm doing it wow it's funny how things work out imagine if you had stuck with brownies I'd be talking to you about your Bear Grylls adventure style show oh yeah but you know if you you actually knew me that would be so comedic because I'm so useless (laughs) at all that kind of thing uh I just yeah I'm not really a sporty kind of any kind oh well (laughs) it's a shame that's okay though I think it worked out well otherwise yeah yeah. it worked out what was what's the family reaction to, to to things now or when you sort of said hey I'm I'm sort of I'm, I'm really into this was it like oh you didn't say anything at home when you were <laughs> growing up oh 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 no I did try I did try and say things at home but they, it was all very you know that um I'm the daughter of first generation immigrants who are like you know and that's it's not really the dumb thing to do what I'm doing it's like you know, you've got to study, you've got to do, you've got to be, mm-hmm. do something that's a proper profession and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, it wasn't really, it wasn't celebrated <laughs> so, <laughs> as it eventually became apparent that this wasn't going away. And I was just like, actually genuinely going to do this. So, no, it's been, it's been a tough journey for the olds, but I think they're, they're kind of into it now. Um, that's great they must be incredibly proud yeah well i wouldn't go that far they're not incredibly <laughs> proud. No, oh like, i don't think they're incredibly proud i mean they don't come to any gigs or anything you know <laughs> so um but they like they've accepted it put it that way right yeah, yeah. uh when you you mentioned uh sort of being the daughter of first generation immigrants and 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 that as i understood was sort of impacted into the current album black and white uh, yeah. in terms of the, the title and i guess your approach can i ask you to expand well when i was um so i started recording these solo recordings and um thinking about what i was gonna what was going on for me at the time and 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 what this is going to be about and over the years of re- releasing music i kind of feel I felt, you know, releasing music into the into the UK, there's only this sort of feeling of like people don't really know where to put me in the scene. You know, I'm not my music's not black enough, my music's not white enough. Um, maybe I'm not black enough, maybe I'm not white enough, you know. And um 
and and I started. You know, this is sort of the whole kind of coming into racial consciousness. I suppose has come about quite late for me because I was kind of quite busy just trying to figure out my own internal stuff. I hadn't really seen myself in the context of that in this world that I'm living in, this country that I'm living in, and and how that is viewed on a subconscious level or on a conscious level by other people receiving my music, uh, whether that's in the industry or generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that came to me quite late. And the previous album is self-titled. I kind of felt as if I'd I'd reached a moment of like some kind of level of internal understanding. So that's kind of where, that's why I called that just a self-titled thing. And then this album, I suppose it's like, in a way, like the natural continuation of that evolution on a personal level of like actually going, all right, so, okay, so, like, what is my identity in terms of, like, the world? And I I sort of struggled to kind of divide myself. I know, like, you know, in British society, I would, because I'm not white, I'm sort of viewed as black, that's that, you know, and and for a lot of mixed-race people, that's the identity that they adopt, and I understand that, but you know, I am multi, my heritage is extremely mixed and, um, and I, I struggle to, to be anything other than myself. So, I mean, I've been asked, so how do you identify? And I'm just like, well, I can't really say that I, I, I've got to be both, you know, if I'm going to be anything. I'm, I'm black and I'm white. If we're going to go into these like binary divisions, then I am both, you know? And also I think my music, I came to the conclusion that actually my music that I've made and the influences that I've brought together are actually a reflection of that. That uh, you know, um, for me to be authentically expressing myself involves combining influences that you would put under the umbrella of black and put under the umbrella of white. So, um, and then I just thought, oh, geez, this whole binary concept is just really just so unhelpful divisive and if I'm going to use these words then the and is actually really important it's about bringing everybody together it's about saying we all belong together I belong I feel I don't feel excluded from any um from any context I guess that's one of the the sort of you know chameleonic things about being multi-heritage you sort of like you know I go to a lot of places in the world and don't feel as if I'm sticking out you know so that's quite nice but um yeah you know I I kind of just want to just say you know anybody is connected to everyone else on the level of emotion and and we shouldn't feel as if like people who like who look like that should only make that kind of music and people who look like the other should only make that kind of music it's just like emotion is emotion and it's all in the music and it's it's common to all of humanity so um I'm just going to be all things and just say what I feel and be authentic. And that's what uh, this album's about, really. That's beautifully put. It's beautifully put. And I, something, if you don't mind me saying, I, something I sort of relate to in as much as my parents are, uh, I'm, you know, I'm also first generation uh, from my parents. They weren't born in this country. My father was born in India to Turkish and uh, Iranian parents and my mother's yeah. Greek Cypriot. So uh, I kind of, they ended up okay. divorcing when I was about eight. And it's a very difficult thing because neither parent really instilled much 
of their heritage in me so yeah. you kind of go to family functions on either side and you sort of feel like a bit like a ghost really because yeah. you're not ingrained into either culture so yeah. that those questions about your place in the world can completely resonate with completely sort yeah. of relate to and um it's a difficult thing to comprehend isn't it it is a difficult thing to comprehend it's not something that's really talked about um a huge deal you know because I mean, eventually when I try to raise it with my own parents, you know, then it's really difficult for them to understand because obviously they've, you know, and your parents, I'm sure are the same. They've, they've traveled from far and they've mm-hmm. come to this country and they, they want to believe as if they, they've um, brought children into the world and into an environment that is going to be good for them, you know, and, and it is obviously great to be here, to have a connection to here and to have the opportunities that, being of here brings but at the same time we as people who are not white in this country have to answer these questions for ourselves like how do we actually fit in here and and who are we everybody has to answer that for themselves and like you say if you're if you if you're if your parents haven't instilled that culture in you of, of, of their culture so you don't have that connection to their culture then you have to create your own culture and create your own way of of being in the world and I think certainly for me music has answered a lot of those questions and it's about it's about creating a sonic world that I think represents me and that I can belong in um and yeah I think that there's a there's lots of conversations to be had with um people of multi-ethnic backgrounds around those topics yeah I think that's a wonderful poignancy to your your project and um yeah it gives a a sort of knowing that going into it I was yeah it sort of just makes everything you listen to very very uh all the more moving all the more touching it sort of impacts me as a listener you know considerably more knowing that that was the thought process you went in uh to to going to to creating it so yeah it's a wonderful piece as a result yeah thank you and this is the, your first album with a vinyl release, as I understand. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. It's like, you just think it's not a big deal. But actually, when it comes, you're like, wow, it's <laughs> so nice. You, know? <laughs> like, you feel like, I don't know, you just feel you just feel proper. You feel like, oh, I've actually done something now. You know, I don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> it just feels proper. It was good. Good. Yeah, it's nice for you. Why had you never done it before out of interest? um well it's just cost really yeah. and, and partly I mean even this time it was like oh well you know it's a little bit of an experiment and it's just in a way just like because I really want to do that but um I just I felt that this music might work really nicely on vinyl um mm. I felt also that uh the intimacy that vinyl brings would work well with this music I think um yeah, that was partly it. And then partly just because some people, again, some people had asked for it and then I'd never had anything there. And and so, yeah, you know, and I was sort of partly led by that. So if anyone, you know, maybe that's just me, but if people say, oh, you know, why haven't you got anything on vinyl or why aren't you like that? That does set a thought process going and you think, oh, yeah, actually, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try that, you know. So it's good. People should tell people what they what they think because mm. it has it has consequences that are sometimes positive. So it's good. Shout out to everyone who might be interested in getting hold of the vinyl. Go to Bandcamp <laughs> or go to the website. And you have to kind of order it postally, really, because otherwise it might be tricky. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it's still, it's a really nice thing to be able to offer people. If you can uh, afford to go down that road mm. and happily, that was my situation at this stage. So I thought, yeah, let's do it. Excellent. Um, I was hoping to just sort of get a couple of like what the, what the thought process was to some of the tracks that you included. Like, what was it just because they were the ones that some of the ones you were doing live, were they ones that you thought would kind of benefit within this kind of, uh, uh, solo kind of context what were uh what kind of led you to pick some of the songs that you chose yeah um well I picked there's a couple of new songs then they're brand new for this album and mm. I wrote those from the point of view of like these are going to be done solo so they were written in that way so they kind of led the way those are broken little pieces and three little words and they led the way in terms of what the mood of the album was going to be and then so from there it was just about choosing songs that I thought would go with that mood and and possibly also that I'd just been in the habit of playing solo and and enjoyed the way they sounded and there were a few others that I recorded but I just thought "Mm, yeah I'm not sure about those Uh, in terms of the context of the mood I'm always writing and conceiving of things from the point of view of mood I think really so Mm. um so yeah that would all probably have been the 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 driving force about including this over that or what have you I was very happy to see um one of my favorites from the uh love letters album uh little girl being uh included on that that was um yeah the original version of that is is uh stunning tune from the album it's one of my favorites okay oh I'm uh, doing that because that was the one I was feeling a little bit mm, a bit less secure about that one oh wow yeah um in fact that one is because you know when you do vinyl when you do a vinyl release you well you've you've got slightly less time to play with and that's the one that didn't make the cut on the vinyl oh okay yeah well, I've just told everything now, so <laughs> there you go. But, um, but I'm really glad that you like that one. That's good, yeah. That yeah. Was, um, yeah, that's cool. Thank yeah, you. it's both versions, yeah. Again, the original album one and uh, this one is gorgeous as well. So, oh, yeah, I was very happy to see that one there. And probably one of the best song titles ever of uh, You Could Turn a Rainbow Grey, which is <laughs> such a, a kick in the stomach. It really is. <laughs> I love that. It's, a, it's almost like I don't need to hear the song. It, like it's it's <laughs> it's as direct as any other lyric in there could be. I love that. It's such a good... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, be... you know, sometimes when you just like been like, I just don't know what to say to you anymore. Like you know, like, <laughs> range this topic of any every angle of of uh, yeah. I I just I don't got nothing else to give you here. So yeah, again, you know, that was that's that's funny. Yeah, I'm glad you like that. Yeah, it's you're, you're very good. Your, your titles actually, I was just thinking about it now. They can be very. I want to say punchy, but the very there's a very directness I think in them, like that one. And I I always going back to the Love Letters album, the actual title of that album. I uh, again, it's it's uh, it's a, just a brilliantly titled album, Love Letters and Other Missiles. It's yeah, it's it's not um, again, it's very it's a very punchy thing to say about the things that people say to each other and that kind of uh, whether they be lies or just general untruths. I, I, I I thought that that was a very, uh, I'm, I'm lacking an appropriate yeah, word, but a, a wonderful great. title. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess like I always try to say what you mean in as few words as possible if, 
if you can and you know, then mm. you get some moments of inspiration and um yeah so that's cool i'm glad you like that i, I think probably like i wrote a song um uh on that album called secret party with um with a couple of guys called john beck and steve chrysanthemum and and they they actually wrote they co-wrote put your records on with corinne bailey ray oh wow and um and around that time I'd written You You Do My Head In and I played mm. it to John at the time. I played it to John and I said, I don't know what to call it and he was like, Oh come on, love, because this he was like, You've got to call it You Do My Head In, that's it, you know. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, what? That's a bit blunt, isn't it? And he goes, Yeah, but that's you've got to be blunt, you've just got to say it how it is and I was just like, Okay, and I think that lesson has stuck with me. So I'm just now I'm just like Okay, yeah, the song is this. Boom, you know. So nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very direct way of doing it. Yeah, it's very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, for this album, as with the last two albums, you've you've hooked up with your um, longtime friend, I imagine, collaborator in Idris Rahman. He's your co-producer and um, uh, so involved in in so many of your projects. I mean, uh, how would you describe the way you guys work together? It just well, I should say because uh, it might make more sense to everybody. It's, uh, he's my long-term partner as well, right? So you know, if anybody understands me and what I'm trying to do and be and 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 express, it's him. You know, he's he he's been he's understood me and watched my evolution and and um, been there every step of the way for the last twenty odd years. So wow. it's um, very natural and beautiful uh blessing to have him in my life anyway but then also Wonderful. to have him on this on a, on my musical journey is amazing because he's such an extraordinary talent himself mm. you know, as a sax player as a producer as a, a songwriter in so many ways and um yeah so i'm very fortunate to 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 have his ear and have his his talents getting involved in my projects you know and every time it's something slightly different you know um um the level of 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 what I might be needing is different you know I might say you know I kind of get what what happens is like you kind of write quite a lot or you get some so far into something and then you kind of lose all sense of where you are and what is the, I'm just lost you know because it's difficult to be objective about something that you're so involved in and you can't see the wood for the trees you know and so it's it's really useful to have somebody whose opinion you fully and utterly trust to be able to to bounce things off of you know and that's kind of really how this relationship works in a musical sense is that um he he and he's just really intuitive about knowing how involved to get he doesn't ever mm. try to take over he never tries to stamp his own vibe on things he's just he's the most supportive person as an individual and and also as a musician and as a producer so it's just wonderful to be honest i'm really blessed excellent wonderful yeah. there's, a, and then un, un, there's an undeniable obviously chemistry with just listening to the music that you guys have put out over the last how many years i mean it's uh it's yeah it's really exciting where, where, where did you guys initially meet was it through through bands and such well we actually met as students we were 18 and we met as students and 
in the context of a musical, a student musical. And I was, I did a lot of dance in those days and I was involved as a dancer in this musical. And he was involved playing the score on the saxophone. In fact, the score that uh, Zoe Rahman, his sister, had co-written with um, oh, another uh a guy whose name escapes me now, but I think John Lipkin actually might have been. Anyway, and um, and so he was, Idris was involved playing that music in the on-stage band, and then I was in the in the chorus line, effectively, of this musical, and it was a great, great time, really fabulous time to be, you know, just carefree and involved in this thing. It was musicals are fantastic, like, or, or productions of any kind who just get so involved and all the cast hang out together and become one big family and all that kind of thing. So I got to know him fairly well on, on that. And um, and then after that, we we were in a band together with students. As another friend said they wanted to set up a band and I was quite pushy in those days. And I said, I'll sing in your band. Like, <laughs> you know, so was, uh, he's like, oh, all right then. Um, and then <laughs> I sang in this band and Idris was in that band as well. And it was great. Yeah, so we kind of got to know each other in various musical to- musical contexts um, back, when, back when we were young. And then you said, I'll be your girlfriend. And he said, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, that kind of took a little while longer. But yeah, we got there. We got there. <laughs> Very good. Um, with them um, kind of kind of looking at like black and white and like something I guess you put out, which is sort of in many ways the exact opposite of it, was the License to be Cruel EP, which I was hoping to discuss because... Um, it was it was really exciting seeing your music kind of taken into completely different eras, sort of areas and contexts, and you know, re, with remixes with Wulu and Sun Lux uh, and Yes King. I mean, do you do you kind of enjoy seeing your music taken out of of sort of what you originally envisaged for it, or is this like difficult to sort of let go of things? I know it's fine. I mean, once it exists in the in the manner in which I had in mind in the first place, that's my interpretation of 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 that song and done in the way that I'd envisaged. And then after that, if someone gives it a new life and with their own angle, that's brilliant. You know, it's fantastic. Oh, cool. Really I'm just then beholding their artistry, you know, and, and my song is just a vehicle for their artistry. And that's how I view it. And that's that's great. You know, I loved it. Mm. I loved doing that. I'd love to do more. Um, oh, it's just a question of, you know, I think for that as well, it's like, well, we talked about the fans and stuff. I think a lot of people were a bit confused by that, to be honest. Um, oh, really? Did it get um, yeah. sort of okay? Because it, I guess, it was a departure, wasn't it, from what people would have come to expect at that point? I guess so, but I mean, um, yeah, and even on an industry basis, people are like, well, what is this? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's electronic music. It's like I don't know. It's like. <laughs> do you not listen to electronic music? Like, what? <laughs> like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, so people are a bit like, well, what is it? This isn't jazz. I'm like, no, correct. It's not, it's yeah. not really jazz. It's like it's jazzy electronic music. But apparently that wasn't really a thing or, or yeah, I found that quite difficult to actually put out. That, that oh, wow. Okay. I would have thought the words remix would have given it quite a, <laughs> would have put it in the, in the desired box. Wow. Okay. No, it's never, there's never any shortage of surprises in terms of putting music out and how it's received or, or yeah, it's always, a, it's always like a, some revelations of like people who mm. think that might get into it and then they're like, oh, and then other things that other people get into and, it's always fascinating, actually. 
that's part, it's kind of like an exercise in sociology and psychology a lot of the time mm. putting music out <laughs> yeah do, do you kind of yeah it's interesting actually how how do you kind of find that balance of of sort of being as an independent artist to have to kind of balance uh, an ever evolving and changing dynamic in terms of streaming culture, download culture, etc. I mean, do you, do you find those uh, initial challenges or do you kind of feel that, you know, you've got to a point where you can put out what you need to put out in the way that you, you, you do and that people will find it and in that way, or do you find yourself having to adapt to these constant changes? Yeah, I mean, putting out music is is a challenge. You know, I think it's and it's an ever evolving challenge because of the the fact that society is evolving and the way people consume music is evolving and mm. and um, tastes are evolving and 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 you yourself are evolving. So it's like it's always a constant, movable feast, really. Um, I enjoy making the music and expressing myself. And um, that's really where the where the core element of it is. Everything else is a kind of is something that has to be got to find a way. Just got to find a way, you know. Mm. Um, so, and I always do find a way, and everything is is working beautifully. But it's yeah, it's it's not it's it's not that easy that side of things. But um, if you want to do the one, you have to do the other. So, yeah. so you've got to just embrace it, really. Yeah. Well, um, yes, as you say, I think you've you have found that balance, and uh, you you have done so incredibly well for years. And I think it's it's amazing to see you continue down that path and continue to gain uh, 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 notoriety and new listeners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I Thank think you. you've done an amazing job in that respect. Um, my penultimate question to you, if I may, uh, in. 2018 in a gig I didn't get to go to see because uh, I found out about it well fairly recently but you uh, for the EFG London Jazz Festival in 2018 you did a, a, what I can only imagine would have been a stunning tribute to the music of Billie Holiday and I guess that year would have been the, her 100th year um, I think that would have been the year that there was a, a quite a slew of projects that had come out uh, it was celebrating what would have been her hundredth year. I was just wondering what if you were a particular fan of Billie Holiday and if if she uh, her music had a particular impact on you. Yeah, I um yeah her music did have a big impact on me, and I am a big fan of Billie Holiday. But I'm just wondering if I did that gig last year or if it was 2008. Oh, I found it on the, uh, the website. Said 2018. 2018, really? Wow. Okay, well, it doesn't seem that long ago. Wow, that's oh. time goes so quickly, isn't it? Um, yeah, uh, the music of Billie Holiday, uh, I would say that in terms of um, learning to be comfortable revealing my vulnerabilities and um, and becoming aware of how much beauty there is in doing that and how that can speak to people that's something that listening to Billie Holiday you know has taught me probably more than anything more than any other artist because and also just the the power of the power of the voice to give new meaning to a lyric you know just by how how you delivered the lyric you know and and the, mm. the, the subtleties involved and the nuances and um so that gave me the inspiration to to try to do that in my own way. Um, 
and and yeah a lot of the harmony in those days and the, the arrangements are just just so gorgeous and so beautifully done and there's a lot about the era of music that she was involved in that I really love and and the recordings that she left us with and um you know when I began singing I I sang a lot of jazz standards so this was you know the whole that whole songbook stuff is is something that people don't necessarily um associate me with but I have done a lot of that and I enjoy you know I enjoy singing swing um but yeah people probably like I say um associated me with that because I have kept that out of my own um recordings to date at some point maybe I might record you know record an album of standards and do it in that way but um, oh, wow. but it's not part of the narratives that I wanted to bring out so far I wanted to I wanted to express my own narrative so it, and and get deeper into that and what that involved. Um, but yeah, that particular gig was great, and and you know, in various contexts over the years, I've done, I've uh, you know played Billie Holiday in various things because people have likened my voice to hers, which is an enormous compliment. Um, mm. So I'm yeah, I'm always happy to sing that that songbook if you like, um, and I thought that. You know, that would be a nice thing to reveal to people for that particular occasion. Um, so I put together a little trio to do that with. Um, but it was a one-off and, yeah, maybe in the future. We'll see. Wonderful. I imagine it was a magical uh, a performance. Yeah, it would have been amazing to to have seen. So, yeah, wonderful. Um, yes, thank you so much for your time. I think I mentioned about uh, picking uh, like a closing song uh, uh, for each of or each of our podcasts and with our guests picking a closing song. Uh, so may I ask, did you have a moment to, to select something for your, from perhaps your, from the black and white album or so, or anything at all? <laughs> okay. Well, so what I thought was um, that I would pick a song from my first album, which is oh, perfect. the last song, like a little hidden track. And it was probably like the first song really that I could say that I wrote on my own like properly that I you know that's certainly the first song that I wrote on my own that I put out and um it's called History and it has some relevance with the black and white um album now and sort of mm. similar theme in a way although you can know the songs on the black and white album don't overtly talk about being of mixed heritage it's just um been a a way to to say people you know i don't know it's just sort of a way to sort of give an umbrella to a wide palette of emotions but this particular song history which is the final song from my not alone album does talk about you know um a, a reflects more on 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 being of mixed heritage and 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 what that might mean although it's very short so i don't it's not even one and a half minutes long but um it's just a, a poem that I woke up with in my head one morning and I set that to music and and harmonised it and produced it up to be a track on that first album, yeah. They were young when time was heavy Where they came from And precious seconds lingered As though their last ones They struggled hard for freedom Wanting only their future generations Rewrite their history Far away from where they started 
became their children And all the things they suffered They kept well hidden They felt as safe as houses In their new prison But history lives on children's faces So I can't protect them Why can't, why can't protect them?